Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together, verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So let's get started. We are studying this amazing book of 1 Thessalonians. It sounds, the Thessalonians sounds like lessons, you know, in English, and it's exactly what it is. It's a good lesson. As McGee says, this Thessalonian letter is probably, if you look at it, it could be viewed as Paul's greatest sermon. He wasn't giving it as a, as a sermon, but McGee thinks it's, it's his greatest sermon. And, and the more I read this book, the more I'm, I'm agreeing. What an amazing text for a powerful sermon. What an amazing lesson um, to us. It's like Christianity 101, but it's given in a way that it's just an amazing way. And again, this church was an early church. He was run out of Thessalonica after being there less than, um, less than a month, after, being, after giving just three... Um, sermons uh, in the church there. This is a young church, but this church had such great faith. Paul was saying in his letter back to them, hey guys, your faith is the talk of the whole area. The word spread from Macedonia down to Achaia. That would have been northern Greece down into southern Greece. And it's and people are talking about this. Now of course this Greece is under the control of the Roman Empire and of course and when Paul is there um, probably other people got uh, jealous or upset, you know, with this new Christian faith, and they got mad, and they just didn't have anything to do with them. They were putting some in prison. They were probably executing some, and then they were probably running him out of town for his life. If they would have probably caught him, it could have been the Romans could have been chasing him, or Jew, uh, jealous Jews could have been chasing him. They could have turned him over to the Romans, or who knows. But he had to leave fast. So he's he then he sends um, uh, Timothy and and uh, Silas back uh, to check on this church because he still cared about them. And of course, of course, they bring good news that they're it didn't shake their faith. So he's writing them this letter that we're reading. Now, last time we touched on uh, chapter four, verse three. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. And I. And I dug a little deeper yesterday on that uh, because that word really spoke to me. And lo and behold, McGee expanded on that word today, sanctification, because it's just such an important word. And I'm so glad he did because that was like on that whole, that word sanctification was on my heart 
all day yesterday. And this morning when I got up, I thought to myself, we got, I've got to speak a little bit more on sanctification. And lo and behold, that's what McGee did. So I was really happy about that. So what I want to do is um, read the verses of the, of the Bible study that we're doing today, which is Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 3, sanctification. I'll probably, you know, start in verse 1, but officially we'll start in verse 3. And we'll go down, um, you know, and we'll finish off. Um, through verse 12, which is the end of this little section. And then what I'd like to do with you guys is just expand on the word sanctification as it applies to this verse and also as it applies throughout the Bible, throughout Scripture. Okay, so let's let's start. Let me just read this um, this part of this letter, and then we'll try to put it into context. So officially, we'll start in verse three, but I'm going to unofficially start at the at the beginning of this um, chapter in verse one um, of First Thessalonians chapter four, and we'll just start putting in at verse one. Finally, brothers. So the culmination of his whole letters, um, chapter one, two, and three, is coming here. Uh, to verse 4, and he's been talking about some powerful stuff. He's talking about faith, love, and hope in verse 1, and that our faith comes from hearing the Word of God. It starts an action in us and produces our faith. Our faith comes from God only. It doesn't come from ourselves. We're not good enough for faith in Him. How can we have faith in Him if we haven't heard Him or if we haven't read His Word or heard His Word by others? So faith comes from hearing the word of God, but faith, love, it the the faith that we have from God's word and and the example that we receive, uh, the gift of love, the gift of the gospel message of love, this gospel love of Christ, of our of our Father in heaven, um, gives us that love inside of us. It's not human love that we might have, like the lust of something or the love of ourselves or the love of others conditionally. It is the gospel love of God, this unconditional love that we receive, that we receive this blessing. And it produces an effect on us that it produces an effect on every action that we have as we place our faith in Him. And Paul calls it a work of faith in us, but a labor of love from us. Okay? And then... He talks about the hope, this steadfast hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So as we have this, we uh, are in, we become an example of the of the Word of God. We and in verse two, we become entrusted to the Word of God. We become spiritual parents of the Word of God. We become worthy as we walk through life of the Word of God. We our love is set in action with all the different characteristics of what love does to transform us. Now we get to chapter 4. Then he says, Finally then, brothers, we, uh, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you're doing, that you do so more and more. For we know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Okay, then we take in in verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Okay, so all of these things, as they culminate together, they come into focus in verse 3. All of this, as you walk to please God in Jesus Christ, more and more and more, 
by following his instructions, by hearing his word and letting your faith grow more and more, letting your love more grow more and more, letting your hope grow more and more. And as we said, um, that the word of God comes to us by and this is in chapter 1, verse 5. It comes to, to us in power. It comes in, to us in the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God comes uh, to us by the conviction of the truth. Okay? So the Word of God is not just like little printing on paper. It's not like any other book. It's not like any other scroll of Scripture or any other screenshot that you see on the Internet or on your phone. On your, you know, It's not like any other word. It is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, as we saw in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Okay? So the culmination of all this is that it is the will of God your sanctification, that you abstain. Now, sanctification is is this word we're going to get into, but I'm just going to fi- finish reading this little part, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Okay? So the word sanctification here uh, in, in verse 3, and then the word holiness that we see just below in, in uh, verse 4 have the same root word. Believe it or not, the word sanctification and holiness comes from the Greek word hagiasmos. Okay? So it means holiness and it means sanctification. Okay? So as we're walking in the Lord Jesus, and as we'll learn... The, 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 the gospel message is so uh, amazing because it is the good news that we are sharing in the death of Jesus Christ and we're also sharing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and then we are sharing in Jesus Christ's righteousness. We have His righteousness as He is raised from the dead and counted righteous by the Father. We share in the death. We share in His resurrection the same power that resurrected Jesus Christ, we share in the same power. Okay? And then we share in that death. We also will share in the same power as then God as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He will raise us from the dead with His same power because we, are, we have the righteousness of Christ. We are in Christ. We are in Him. He is in us. Okay, We have the same relationship with Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ has with the Father in heaven. We have the same relationship with the Father in heaven through Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ has with the Father in heaven. And we are in Jesus Christ spiritually. We are in Jesus Christ physically. How? Because we are in the church. Another one of the mysteries of the church that we learned about in uh, Ephesians is the church, which is the physical body of Christ here on earth. So we are in Christ spiritually. We are in Christ physically here on earth in the church until our bodies die, just like Christ's physical body died. And then we will be resurrected from the dead, just like Christ was resurrected from the dead. So we share in His resurrection spiritually and physically. We are in Christ. Christ is in us. And this is through the Holy Spirit. We get the gift of Holy Spirit living in us. But this word, holiness and sanctification, uh, comes from this same root word. So sanctification and holiness are really tied 
together. Um, and part of this study, I'm, I'm going to be looking at the um, sanctification, and then we'll be looking at a few other verses too that, that will illustrate this. So that each one of you knows how to control his body in holiness and honor. When we control our bodies in holiness, when we become more and more holy, we are honoring God. We are on, our holiness coming from Christ honors God. It's like worship to God. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. So in other words, whatever your, whatever your passion is, whatever you're trying to seek, whatever you love, that's a human love. But we're talking about a gospel love. A gospel love with no boundaries. A gospel love of the Lord Jesus the gift of Jesus Christ to us is the fulfillment of the law. We saw that in Galatians. Christ is the fulfillment of law. His gospel gift to us. So his, this gift of love is the fulfillment of the Old Testament law. The Old Testament law, the fulfillment of the Old Testament law is love. So Christ's love is the fulfillment of the Old Testament law. So we need to control what we love. In holiness and honor, not with the passion or not with the love of lust, like the Gentiles who don't know God. That that and and then he says, you know, it's it's a um, a semicolon here. So in other words, it's almost like a new part of a sentence. So we need to control our bodies in holiness, in spiritual love here, in uh, the gospel love of what we love. And then he says that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. Don't cheat your brother. Okay, so he's saying control what you love, control what you lust for, control the passion of your heart. That means control your eyes, control your ears, control your mannerisms, control your walk, where, what you do with your hands, control your tongue. You know, those are sort of sins inside your heart. And then he says, don't transgress and wrong your brother. Okay? Transgress means to defraud or to exploit or to cheat. Okay? So those are sins sort of outside your body. Don't dishonor the Lord inside your body. Don't dishonor the Lord with what you do with your body. Don't wrong your brother. Don't cheat your brother. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Don't put him down. Don't take advantage. Because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. The Lord is an avenger. He is going to set the, the wrong things right. Again, all of this is in Jesus Christ. All of this sanctification is occurring by our living a life of holiness, all this sanctification is occurring because we are being holy inside and outside. And again, it's through the work of the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. It is through um, something that we cannot do. All of this, you'll notice, all of this is a free gift of God but it is we become we become righteous and holy not through anything that we do but it's all through him working in us 
So even though we're supposed to control our bodies, be holy, um, inside and out, basically, be holy inside and out, we don't get brownie points for that. It's like worship to God, but it doesn't make us holy. It doesn't make us any better. We can't get to heaven through any works. This is not telling us to be super Christians. This is not telling us that we have to do these things to earn God's favor. None of us can earn God's favor. None of us can be holy. None of us can be righteous. We're all hopeless sinners. Our bodies are condemned to death because of this sin. Our our eyes are evil. Our ears are evil. Our brain, our thoughts are evil. Our heart is evil, full of lust for things that we want. It's all an evil setup, but God chooses to put the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ in us. Boom, now we have the righteousness that comes from Christ. Okay? So, and all those things that we do wrongly, and all the things that the, that the Gentiles, the evil people, the, the, the jealous Jews, whoever you want to say, everybody's a sinner. All those things will be avenged. And the greatest, the, one of the most popular movies, you know, nowadays is The Avengers. And all the kids love The Avengers and all their powers. I love it that the Lord is an avenger in all these things. The Lord is the first avenger. What a great thing that is. Our Lord is an avenger. He not only gives his gospel message to us, he defends his gospel message. His gospel message doesn't set you and me up to be taken advantage of. It doesn't set us up to say, you know what? Thanks, Lord. That's a great message. But man, uh, and we have to do we have to do things that we wouldn't ordinarily do. Love people that don't love us or being persecuted, or being, you know, made fun of, or being put down, or just, or just abstaining for things, you know, God doesn't let that go, even that unchecked, He's an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand, and solemnly warned you, this is a solemn thing, God doesn't let these things go. He doesn't give us this gospel message to, to let us say, oh, yeah, we believe in you, and then we can do whatever we want. We can think about whatever we want, say whatever we want. God doesn't give us this message without his power being connected to it. Remember, the, 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 the gospel word comes in power. It comes in the Holy Spirit, and it comes in the conviction of truth. It is true, and so we should take it solemnly. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. There's that word again. Now, holiness comes from that uh, hagiasmos, that word here that has two meanings. It means sanctification, which we talked about in verse 3, and it, it is implied holiness. It comes from the same root word. Holiness and sanctification are, are interchangeable here. It's like a chemical formula, you know, like H2O. There's hydrogen and then there's oxygen, you know. It's like holiness and sanctification. They're always, those bonds are broken and being reunited. You know, water is water because of the two elements being interchangeable. 
your body is 60% water. So, so these are, this is a concept here. When you see water, you see H2O. But when you see this sanctification and holiness, those are two things that are interchangeable. God hasn't called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, so that holiness goes with sanctif- being sanctified, being holy. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. This is, this is how the Word of God comes to us. It comes to us in power. Power, that, power, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's the gospel message as it comes to you. It comes to you in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that will is a free gift of God to you. You have that holiness. You have that sanctification from the will of God. And that's what we're going to study a little bit more. We have His holiness already. But this sanctification is a process. It, is, it means to be sanctified, to be purified. A state of purity. Okay, It's been used like that. Holiness means to be set apart for God. Or, or of the Messiah. Or the new people of God, or the, or it's, or holiness has been like described as the inner part of the temple, this area that is set apart for God. We are people called to be purified, called to be sanctified, called for this state of purity, but also called to be set apart, to be looked at as holy, to be looked at of the Messiah, to be looked at as a new person, but also a new people of God. We have the Holy Spirit to work in us. Verse 9, now concerning brotherly love. All right. So we have been talking about the love of God for us. Let's talk about the love of us for others. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. All right. You don't have to read anything more. You have to know that you're supposed to love one another. That's the simple message of the gospel message. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should have eternal life, right? For God so loved the world. God's love started this whole thing. This whole gospel message started with our Father in heaven. For God so loving the world. He gave his only son, that's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, this love gift of Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of the law. It says, as we learn in Galatians, love fulfills the Old Testament law. What fulfills it? Love. That's Jesus Christ. That His love for us, His sacrifice for us on the cross, fulfills the Old Testament law. So now we are under grace. We are not under law. This grace allows us to still have a sinful body But inside, it allows us to have Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ inside our body at the same time. So now we're no longer under law, we're under grace. And now as we we live our lives, we're still prone to being sinners because our physical bodies sin. But we have the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ working in us 
to sanctify us. This process of being sanctified, that's the will of God for us, our sanctification. So this is what this process is supposed to be working in us. This work of faith in us is sanctification. Okay? This work of faith in us is sanctification. What we do, our labor of love, is working out our sanctification, becoming more and more holy as we live. And our hope is this upward hope in Christ and this onward hope as we walk the rest of our lives by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit working inside us. As we walk in step with the Holy Spirit, that's our sanctification. But we've been, but you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. It all boils down to that love one another. And that's God's love for one another. That's not human love for one another. That's not human love for one another is lust. Human love for one another is jealousy for what you want to do. It's man directed. He's talking about the gospel love for one another. The love of Jesus Christ for one another. The love of God for one another. That's when you boil it all down. Love is the fulfillment of the law. For indeed, verse 10, for that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Okay, so they, he says that's what you're doing. You love them. You share your faith with them. You serve them just like Jesus Christ served us. But we urge your brothers to do this more and more. In other words, he's saying, don't sit still. Keep growing in this love. Don't be satisfied with what you're doing. You never stop. And to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs. Now, and to work with your hands as we instructed you. Now, this might have been uh, a call to live peacefully with others, not be argumentative. Let your love uh, just permeate what you do and how you live. And also um, to mind your own affairs and work with your own hands. Uh, this might have been sort of just some practical common sense for what a Christian is because these there would have been poor Christians, there would have been wealthy Christians, and in the church... There, the, the temptation might have been for the, the, the poor Christians just to come over and say, hey, you know what? We're Christians. You have, to pay, you have to pay for my lunch. Or we're Christians. You know, do you really love me? You know, I would love to have a new home and a new, you know, whatever. If you're really a Christian, you would love me. And so he's trying, I think, to get at that human emotion, that, uh, that human tendency to maybe want to twist the gospel message so that you don't have any responsibility for your own um, walk in the Lord. You don't have any responsibility for how you love one another. It's not, a, it's not self-centered love. It's Christ-centered love. So in other words, what you're thinking and how your heart works if it's based on Christ, it's not based on what you get from someone else. It's what we all get from the Lord. And what we all get from the Lord is riches beyond compare. Every spiritual blessing in heaven is promised to us, as we saw in Ephesians chapter 1. Work with your own hands. Don't be a burden on other people. They may, they may be wealthier than you, 
but he instructs the believers to earn their own living rather to depend on others. That's the way Paul lived also. When Paul was visiting different churches in different areas like Galatia and Ephesus, and he was in Rome, he, he took time. He was a tent maker. And so he would always try to work with his hands so he wouldn't be a burden on anybody he was staying with. Okay? And that's real important. That's real important. These are Christ-like virtues. And uh, so he, hit, he nails this right off the bat about loving one another. So in other words, your job is to love others, not to go around being available for them to love you back. Or, I mean, for to see what, what, how much love you're going to get from somebody else, you know. And if you don't get maybe some that something from somebody else, maybe you're not going to love them as much. He says, no, no, no. It's outward love, your labor of love that he talked about in chapter one. But it's this this gospel love, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. That's verse twelve. This proper walk is so important. So it is not just believe in God and do what you want. It's believe in God and walk properly by your faith in the Holy Spirit in a Christ-like manner. And this is a holy manner. Be holy. He calls us to be holy even though we don't feel holy. And it's true because our physical bodies aren't holy. But we can be holy if we walk in step with the Holy Spirit, if we have His Holy Spirit living in us, we have the righteousness that comes from Christ, the redemption that comes from Christ in us. So now right here, I want to I wanna just try to expand like we did yesterday, just a little bit better, maybe a little bit more um, on this word called uh, sanctification. It's a word that I sort of understood, but never really understood as much as I'm trying to go after it now. Sanctification, this is from Easton's Bible Dictionary, E-A-S-T-O-N, this Bible Dictionary. I, I saw this word there, and I thought it, it was the, it was, it's the best thing I've read so far on sanctification. So let me just quickly read over it again. You, if you heard it yesterday, I'm just going to do it a l- little bit quicker today. But just to keep this study maybe cohesive. Sanctification involves more than a mere moral reformation of character. In other words, it's, just, it's more than just saying, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to believe in Jesus and I'm going to be a better person. Okay? It's more than that. It's brought about by the power of the truth. And this power of the truth is the gospel message. Again, we said the, the gospel message comes in power. It, it comes uh, in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is attached to this message and this conviction of truth. It's brought about by this power of the truth. Sanctification comes from this gospel message being applied to us. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, This is how the gospel message comes to us. It comes with, to us in power and the Holy Spirit. So this gospel message really, the Holy Spirit is in charge of this gospel message. Okay, It is all about Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ taught and what he did for us. It's the gift of Jesus Christ. But it comes to us in power of truth, this conviction of truth. It comes to us in the Holy Spirit. 
Holy Spirit is not really talked about as much as, you know, God and Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is the Trinity. You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the other part that we don't, you know, get to talk about as much. You know, we, you know, we hear uh, God being referenced, you know, Yahweh, his name, you know, he had official name. Jesus gets a name. Holy Spirit doesn't get a name. Like, Holy Spirit must be uh, really, really modest. Like, like Packer, like uh, Reverend Packer uh, was, was talking about. He must be so modest, he doesn't even have a name. But he's everywhere. He's in our hearts. He's convicting us with truth. He's convicting us with the power of God. And his Holy Spirit is at work in us. It is a work of the Holy Spirit bringing the whole nature more and more under the influences of the new gracious principles implanted in the soul in regeneration. It's the work of the Holy Spirit growing us under grace. We are walking in step with the Holy Spirit. It implants in our soul. It works. It's this work of faith that works in us. This is the Holy Spirit's job to work in us. And then it helps us as we live in and live out our labor of love. As Paul, this work of faith, labor of love, and steadfast hope is what Paul talks about in chapter 1. The Holy Spirit's job is to help us in this manner. In other words, sanctification is the carrying on to perfection, the work begun in this regeneration, in this, in this uh, redemption from us, of Christ on the cross for us. And it extends to the whole man. Okay, It is the special office of the Holy Spirit in the plan of redemption to carry on this work. And faith is instrumental in sanctification. We have to have faith. Faith comes from the Word of God. We have to receive the Word of God. We have to receive the gospel message to grow our faith. And we have to have our faith in order for the Holy Spirit to, to work inside us for this sanctification process to occur. We're sort of sanctified by the presence of Jesus Christ. Okay, but we are also, we are also holy in God's eyes, holy and blameless in God's eyes because of the presence of Jesus Christ in us. So we have that, we have that sanctification from Jesus Christ, but we also have this sanctification of how we act and how we live. So it's a gift we receive, but it's also a way that we live. It's being in Christ and then having Christ in us. So let's press on just another minute, and then we'll hit some other verses that might make these points. Um, so it's the special office of the Holy Spirit in the plan of redemption to carry on this work, to carry on this sanctification in us. And it secures our union to Christ and it brings the believer into living contact with the truth, 
whereby he is led to yield to obedience to the commands, trembling at the threatenings, embracing the promises of God for this life and that which is to come. God is the avenger in all these things. He has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. And whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. That's what the Holy Spirit is there, to to call us to live in holiness. And then um, Eatston carries on. He makes the point that perfect sanctification is not attainable in this life. And um, he makes a final quote, and then I'll transition this quote into looking at some scripture. He says, The more holy a man is, the more humble, self-renouncing, self-abhorring, and the more sensitive to every sin he becomes the more closely he clings to Christ. The moral imperfections to which cling to him he feels to be sins, which he laments and strives to overcome. Believers find that their life is a constant warfare, and they need to take the kingdom of heaven by storm and watch while they pray. They are always subject to the constant chastisement of their Father's loving hand which can only be designed to correct their imperfections and to confirm their graces. And it has been notoriously the fact that the best Christians have been those who have been the least prone to claim the attainment of perfection for themselves. Isn't that great? That to me is just such a beautiful Description of sanctification. The more sanctified and holy, the more you hate sin, the more you have to cling to Christ closer and closer and closer. The more humbling you become, the more humbled you become, the more self-renouncing, self-abhorring, the more sensitive to every sin you become. And you find that your life is just constant warfare to cling to Christ. You need to be watchful while you pray and to pray. Praying is a part of this. The best Christians have been those to be the least prone to claim this perfection. Okay, so you're called to be perfect, but you're not perfect. You're called to be holy, but your bodies really aren't holy. Let's look what some scripture says in 1 John 4, 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. That's what he's saying. You've got to do so in love. That's this whole message that Paul is writing. He's saying now concerning brotherly love, you've been taught by God to love one another. Okay, and then he says it again in 1 John. Love one another. Love, the love he's talking about is a love from God. This is the gospel message of love that comes from God. This is not the human love, like I love you if you love me back, or I'm going to take advantage of you because I really love what I want, or I'd love a new car, I'd love to be rich, I'd love to be popular. You know, those are loves too, but those are human love. He's talking about love comes from God. Real love, love that lasts, doesn't come from people. It only comes from God. 
And that's the gospel message that comes from God, that we have access to God's love that blesses us, blesses us spiritually, blesses us with what Jesus Christ has done. Everyone who's been born of God and knows God, everyone who loves. Love is this outward display. As we were talking about, the labor of love is an outward display of the faith working in you, the Holy Spirit working in you. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, And we put on a new self which is being renewed in knowledge and in the image of its creator. This new self is the gospel message. When we believe in Christ, we become a new person. Why? Because we've been holy. We are holy because of the presence of the Holy Spirit living inside us. We still have imperfect bodies, but God now sees us as holy and blameless. Okay? Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. This is Paul writing, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This is the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ living in him. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the gospel message. And when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you share in his death. Then you can share in his resurrection too. So you share in his death because you've been crucified with Christ. You are you're sharing in his crucifixion. Okay, so the person that gets raised from the dead is now a Christian. You're not the same person. You're living in the same body, but you're not the same person. You're sanctified, and you are being sanctified. You are being set apart. You're being purified. You're being set apart for God's use, just like in the inner, inner temple. They would have these things that were sanctified, to, to, to do these rituals and things. Those were set apart. That's what you were called to do. You're, you're called to be a new person. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's your sanctification. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That's Jesus Christ. That's the Holy Spirit and God the Father. There's the gospel message right there for you in one sentence or two sentences, sorry, but in one verse. You were washed, you were sanctified. That's through the power of the death of Jesus Christ. Blood on the cross, his sacrifice, cleans you from your sin. You're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, you may not feel like it. You're still living in an impure body, but spiritually, you're sanctified. And that is the will of God the Father for you in verse 3, your sanctification. That's what God wants for you, to be sanctified in His eyes. Let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Okay, now we're studying 1 Thessalonians. We haven't gotten to 2 Thessalonians yet, but let's you know jump over there. But we ought to always thank God for you, brothers and sisters loved by the Lord, 
because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Okay? So our salvation, our gospel message is fruit of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, and peace, as we talked about before back in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. That our faith, our lives are the fruits of the gospel message. And to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through the belief in the truth. So we are saved through the work of the Holy Spirit in us, this work in us as the Holy Spirit works to purify us, to make us better and better. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Jesus did the job on the cross. The Holy Spirit is doing the job in us through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth and through our faith. We have to still keep our faith in check. We can't just say, oh, I believe in you, Lord. Okay, come inside me, Holy Spirit, and you go out and do your thing. That's not what it's saying. God's saying, you know, hey, Jesus is going to die for you. You don't deserve anything you get, but you also have to change. And you have to put your faith, the work of your faith to work. Because your sanctification is the sanctifying work through your belief in the truth. So you have to keep reading the word of God. Let your faith grow more and more and more. And let the Holy Spirit work in you more and more and more because it is pure. The Holy Spirit is designed to make you better, to, to make you more and more holy as you prepare yourself to meet the Lord Jesus. Okay, back in chapter 3, 1 Thessalonians, verse 13. Well, let's start in verse 11, chapter 3. Now may our God. And Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. He wants us to be blameless and holy at the coming of the Lord. Okay, so that's this process of sanctification. That's what this sanctification is supposed to do, is to prepare us for His coming. Let's look at Proverbs. Who can say they're pure people? You know, even though we've got this sanctification working inside us through the Holy Spirit, you know, who can say they're very holy? You know, will man ever be holy? You think perfect sanctification is not attainable in this life. This is one of the point from from Easton in his point. Perfect sanctification will never be perfect because we're still sinners. We still have to depend on God. We still have to pray. We still have to lean on the Holy Spirit. We'll still have to ask his forgiveness for us. Although he sees us as perfect and blameless, we don't act perfect and blameless. But now we're under grace. And because of that grace, 
He sees us still as perfect and blameless. But we have to work out our sanctification. We have to not be satisfied with where we are. We have to continue to try to work out our sanctification to become more and more holy, to live more and more holy, and be more and more blameless, truly to prepare for our Lord Jesus Christ. And as the proverb says, who can say I've kept my heart pure and I'm clean without sin? Only Jesus can say that. So it's almost like this impossible mission. We're called to be holy and blameless. We can't be holy and blameless, but because of Jesus Christ, God looks at us as holy and blameless. But now what? Has he set us up to fail or to fall or to feel more and more guilty because we tell everybody we're going to be holy and blameless, but we don't act that way all the time? He doesn't set us up like that. He gives us the Holy Spirit to help work out our sanctification. That's his will for us. It says in verse 3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. There's a lot of, there's a lot of scripture and theology in that one little line. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. This is what he wants us to do, to be sanctified through his Holy Spirit as we live by faith, not by sight, but living by faith in the Holy Spirit working in us, that we're going to be sanctified and that we're going to, as he sees us holy, we're going to do our best to act holy and and grow and grow more and more and not be satisfied. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20. Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right, and never sins. Okay? Well, there you go. If nobody does anything right, why should we care? Because we're under grace. Because we have the Holy Spirit working in us so that we can live by faith and be holy in His eyes. And don't take that for granted because God is the avenger. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the avenger of all these things. You can't just say, okay, I'm a Christian and keep living in sin. The Lord is the avenger of all these things. He's not called us to be impure. He's called us to live holy. Through Him, now we can live holy. We can live that calling. Under grace, we can walk in step with His Holy Spirit. And we know that we saw from Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, walking in step with the Holy Spirit means like that comes from the root word stokia, which means like in stepwise pattern, just like a child learns to walk in little steps. You walk a little bit, you fall. You get back up. You walk a little bit, you fall. You get back up. You walk a little bit. That's walking in step with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit walks with us every day. Paul expands on this in Romans chapter 7, verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Soul as a slave to sin. I don't understand what I do. For, I, for what I want to do, I don't do. And what I hate to do, I do. And if I do what I don't want to do, I agree the law is good. And it is... It is no longer I myself who do it, but the sin living in me. For I know that good itself doesn't dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do 
not do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do this. I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I don't want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to, am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. So look at Paul saying, look, you know what? I want to be holy, but my body still sins. Because sin still lives in this body. But, through Jesus Christ, we have the ability to be holy and blameless because of His presence in us, not because anything we have in us. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14, one of my favorite verses, not only, this is Paul again writing, not only that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, he's talking about spiritual matters, saying, you know what, I'm not Mr. Super Christian either. I'm just like you. I'm a, I feel like I'm a sinner just like you who needs the Lord just like you. What is he saying? Not that I've already attained all this to try to be holy or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which, Jesus, for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, here's Paul's one thing, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying, look, you think, you, you think I'm a great person? I'm not. I'm just like you. I'm just like you. I have sin. I struggle and I haven't obtained all this, you know, but I press on day by day, brothers. I forget what's behind and I strain on forward to what's ahead. I can't look back. I have to look forward. And what I look forward, my eyes are set on Jesus Christ. Heavenward. Psalm 51 This is what David wrote. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Even David, a murderer, an adulterer, Sin. Moses committed murder. He sinned. Job, the most righteous man on earth. At the end of the chapter, he realized he was sinning because 
He was saying he was trying to defend himself based on his own righteousness. And then he realized he has no righteousness. Even though he was a really a good man, he did a lot of things right. He still didn't have righteousness that comes from God. Daniel, talking about forgiving of sins. There's so many different examples throughout the Bible. And all through the Bible, we see that there's no perfect person. There's no... Not one single person can say they are without sin. So this sanctification is this ability for the Holy Spirit to be working in us through our faith in Jesus Christ, through our faith in, faith in the gospel message and His work for us on the cross. This power of God, this Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, this conviction of truth with the reality that the Lord Jesus will avenge these words, these words will not go unavenged. And that these words are living and active. It is the power of God it's of, of itself for us. And this word of God that never returns void, as we saw in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. It does the work for which it was intended to do in the person that hears the word. The word of God is not just some other word. It is word spoken by God. And this word is intended to do a work in anyone who hears it. That's why we have to continue to read the word of God all that we can. Because that word of God was intended for us to do something, to do some work in us when we read it. It grows our faith. It grows our dependency on the Holy Spirit. It draws us closer and closer to the Holy Spirit. It draws us closer and closer to Christ, this Word of God. It helps to sanctify us through the work of Holy Spirit working inside us. Holy Spirit is sanctifying us because of the work of faith Inside us, the Holy Spirit helps to sanctify us by the love that we do, the labor of love that we that we that um, that we do to serve others. As we show our love, as we love one another, as we abound in love, we become more and more sanctified, more and more Christ-like, more and more holy. And then this Holy Spirit, this power of God, this conviction of truth, this sanctifies us in our hope, in the steadfast hope that Paul talks about in chapter 1 also. This steadfast hope that we have in our sanctification. Our hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. He has chosen us because our gospel came to you not only in word but in the power in the Holy Spirit and with the full conviction of truth. Okay? So this is our hope. Our hope is that the Holy Spirit will be with us. Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is an eternal hope. It is a steadfast hope. In other words, we can look upwards to Christ we can look onward and outward as we forget what's behind us. And as we press on in this work, let the Holy Spirit do work in you. 
this work of faith in you, as you depend on the Holy Spirit, as you pray, as you read God's Word, our Holy, our hope is in this steadfast love of God for us, this steadfast hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that we are in Jesus Christ, He is in us, and we are continuing to um, walk, walk in a manner worthy of God. This is our hope that we have this, the will of God is for us, our sanctification and our call to be holiness, to be holy. So, wow, amazing study. I'm, it looks like my study was pretty long today, but I just felt like I had to go into this in a little bit more depth, really for my own learning. So I hope this was helpful to you. God bless you. I'll see you next time. Keep your heart centered on Christ. Now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Isn't this a great study? I hope this, um, uh, I can't wait to hear your, your take on this as well. God bless you all. I'll see you next time. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from 1 Thessalonians, beginning at chapter 4, verses 3 all the way to verse 12. So... In uh, yesterday's study, we had actually gone through chapter 4, verses 1 through to verse 8, but Dr. J.B. McGee felt it necessary to actually explain further, you know, the term of sanctification, because we had actually just rushed through it, but he felt the need to actually explain it in more detail, um, especially for the benefit of everyone who hadn't taken part when... um, or listened in <coughs> when <clears throat> he was going through the book of Romans where he had actually explained this in detail for the benefit of all those people. And in all honesty, I hadn't joined the Bible bus yet at the time when they had gone through the book of Romans, and I'm looking forward to that. But he actually took the time to explain further the term sanctification. So he explained... Um, you know, two terms here in two different versions of sanctification. So he explained position of sanctification, and this is Christ has been made to us sanctification. So we are we are accepted in the beloved and will never be more saved the moment we trust Christ uh, than we will be a million years from today because we are accepted in him. So sanctification is a positional way, which means perfection. So we are put in that particular position if we accept Christ. So if we are saved today, you know, we cannot exceed or be more perfect because Christ is perfect. Christ is, you know, the past, the present and the future. So Christ is still going to be perfection even a million years from now. So you know, even if somebody gets saved today and some and 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 is say and and lives through a million years, they cannot be more say more more perfect than they actually are, um, as opposed to somebody who's actually just been saved today. They are at the same plane because you cannot exceed a particular level of perfection. Um, so here, this is what Dr. Jeeva McGee is explaining position sanctification. Then he also explained practical sanctification. So it's something that we are working on down here today on earth, you know, as Christians, you know, we are living in the light. So it's, it's, it's 
a daily and an you know a daily active walk in Christ. So um, you know this Holy Spirit is working on it in us. So if we accept salvation, we accept the Holy Spirit to dwell in us, and the Holy Spirit is working on us daily. So you know because we can't present perfection down here on our own. You know, the Holy Spirit has to actually dwell in us, the Holy Spirit that was given unto us by the Lord Jesus Christ. So, here, in this particular, um, looking at this particular verse, where we begin from chapter 4, verse 3, it reads, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. So here is the root meaning that he actually explained what sanctification here in this particular text in this particular um, reading means. So the root meaning is that, you know, that which has been set aside for the use of God. So we are all lost sinners until we come to Christ. So when we come to Christ, we are set aside for his use. Moses, David, you know, the saints of the Old Testament, they all went to Christ and they were set aside for God's use. So, you know, you and I have been set aside for his holy purpose, you know, for God's use. Every believer is set aside for the use of God. So if you're a believer, a child of God, you're set aside for the use of God. It's more like, you know, you get food today um, on the table, like your lunch, your, your dinner, or, or your breakfast. And, you know, you pray for that food, for the nourishment of our bodies, for the nourishment of your body. So you're setting that food aside in order to nourish you, in order for you, you know, to keep you healthy and alive and you know, to, to nourish your body, to give you nutrients, the, the daily nutrients that you actually need. So this is what it means when you believe in the Lord. You are set aside um, for, for the use of God. So today, you know, we have people who do the work of God but live an immoral life. You know, they sin, they have sins of the flesh. You know, they sin every day. You have clergymen and, you know, people who actually do the Lord's work who are more involved in the church today and you know they worship idols because they follow all these religious doctrines and um, they believe in all these um, funny you know um, say you know Torah reading cards or or um, zodiac signs and all and Paul has said that you can't do that as a Christian so you can't do the work of God and live in sin and engage in this type of thing so the Holy Spirit cannot dwell in you God will just shut you out and, and, and won't listen to anything that you say because you can't live a double standard life. As a Christian, you're supposed to be upright and live you know, in the light of the Lord. Verse 4 goes on to read, For each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in the sanctification and honor. So here, you know, the levels of immorality today is like so gross and so high. It's crazy. Um, you know, today's generation... You know, they know a lot more about sex than they know about love. And God is saying we should save our bodies for marriage. You know, that's marital relationship. So, And this applies to both men and women. It just doesn't apply to a single sex. So, you know, the kind of living that's there today, it's, it's just so sad. Um, and God says we should preserve our body for, um, you know, that that marriage bond that God has actually, um, you know, bonded here on earth. It's, it's the only bond that God has actually put here on earth. So I'll read you quickly verse 5 and 6, which reads, 
not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. So, you know, the Gentiles, they were pagans. And um, they worshipped anything. And sex was one of their religions. And Paul here is saying, you know, do not live like the Gentiles. You know, your body is the temple of God. Um, and, you know, as a believer, you know, we are set aside for God's use. Verse 6 goes on to read that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified. So as a believer, you know, you ought to be honest um, because, you know, as a Christian, you cannot go around, you know, using dubious means or you're in business and, you know, duping people and all, you know. We, us, we ought to live by what the gospel says instead of, you know, portraying what is in the earth today, like in the worldly earth today, you know, sins of the flesh. You know, we go about living a dishonest life and defrauding people and, you know, just kind of living what the gospel doesn't portray. That, you know, that way, you know, God just shuts you out and the Holy Spirit cannot dwell in such confusion. So verse 7 and 8 goes on to read, For God did not call us to uncleanliness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us the Holy Spirit. So, you know, the Holy Spirit is the only means which we can live for God. You know, the Galatians talked of this, um, and, um, you know, they they actually talked of this, but um, they lived a certain life and all. And when Paul went to actually visit them, he actually found that, you know, he, he asked them a question, um, you know, are you saved through the Holy Spirit? And they actually hadn't heard of it. And that's when he prayed for them. And, you know, now the Holy Spirit dwelled in them. So as a child of God, you know, you cannot engage in um, this type of life, you know, the immoral life and all. So... You know, the work of the flesh, as it says in Romans chapter 8, um, it reads, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So let us walk according to the Spirit of God. Let us let the Holy Spirit guide us. Let us let the Holy Spirit dwell in us, you know, um, the fruits of the Spirit. So Paul makes it clear that, you know, what the law could not do, the law, um, you know, Christ could actually do. So the law, you know, is not wrong. Man is the one who is wrong because of the weakness of the flesh. So man cannot attain to that level, you know, that high plane that's set aside, you know, um, the conduct for the conduct of Christian believers. So um, the Holy, so, you know, the Holy Spirit has been given to us, um, to every believer. And that's, it's only the Holy Spirit that can actually um, lift us up to that level um, of, you know, that level we cannot attain to reach. So the moment we trust Christ, we are um, indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God and we only receive the Holy Spirit when we, you know, are converted and come to christ that's when the holy spirit actually comes to us you know when we accept christ you know as our lord and savior so we need 
you know, a constant infilling. It doesn't mean, you know, today when you pray and, you know, you're converted, you see the Holy Spirit. We always fall short of the glory of God and we need an infilling of the Holy Spirit. So we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and to join the body of believers when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, that's like a mark of recognition that, okay, you belong to the body of believers. So verse 9, it goes on to read, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. So here, love is the subject of verse 9 and verse 10. So as a believer, we must have love for our brethren. You know, whether it's our blood brother or not our, bro our brother, you know, you will find some, you know, some, some believers who, you know, are personalities just clash but we should always have that love for our, our believers you know it comes and that love comes supernaturally from christ so you know the fruits of the spirit is love you know for the spirit to actually dwell in us if spirit dwell, dwells in us we will have that love that brotherly love for our believers so you know our love for our brethren should be in the concrete and not just in abstract or in theory, you know, we shouldn't just read about it and say, oh yeah, 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 as a Christian, yeah, we're supposed to have the fruits of the Spirit, which is love, and, you know, it should be in concrete, we should show love to, to, to our brethren, you know, despite our differences and all, so, um, and this can only be attained, um, in the Holy Spirit, so the love for one another, um, is one of the marks of a child of God, if you have love for your brethren, your fellow brethren in Christ, you know, it's one of the marks that you are a child of God. So verse 10 goes on to read, And indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia, but we urge you, brethren, that you increase, you increase more and more. So here we have, you know, we have some saints, you know, that are not very lovely, and we ought to actually just love them, show, show all of them all our brethren love, you know, despite our shortcomings. So, um... Paul talked about this because their love did not go beyond a certain point. And he was just talking about this, like, you know, I will not write to you about this because God has preached, you know, about love, love one another, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So verse 11 reads that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you so you know this is a commandment that was given so we need to study to be to be quiet you know to just be quiet and listen and not just talk and talk and just you know not watch what's coming out of your mouth so um we need to be quiet and um you know to tend to our own business and not just poke our nose into other people's businesses you know which actually brings up things like gossip and just you know just confusion among other people so this is a good for a christian to keep your nose out of other people's affairs so every christian has to have some type of activity where he's doing something you know some type of activity where he's doing something for god today so um this is what paul has actually stated in the last statement here um to mind your own business and to work with your hands as we command you so keep busy do something for god you know that's um a labor of love do something for god you know carry out some work for god so verse 12 goes on to read um that you may walk properly toward those who 
far outside that you may lack nothing so the saints of god are to walk honestly you know don't go around defrauding other people you're not a saint of god if you go around cheating and defrauding other people and dealing dishonestly so um god you know a child of god can't walk in dishonesty um, and try to defraud other people and take advantage of them so walk honestly towards those who have nothing and god you know would because god would judge us all if we don't walk honestly so god is going to judge our conduct and you know our works um when that day comes when we are to face our maker so yeah this is today's teaching thank you all for listening in i hope you know you understood dr jb mcgee's point on sanctification and what it actually means yeah thank you all for listening in god bless and have a pleasant day bye-bye Thank you.